Support for today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Eyes, nature seen through the eyes of photographer Mel Tulin. Photographs of sunrises, sunsets, wildlife, mountains, beaches, birds, butterflies, and wildflowers are turned into exquisite Outdoor Eyes photo note cards. Each handmade photo nature note card is suitable for framing. With matching photo jewelry, it's a wonderful gift for nature lovers. Outdoor Eyes Cards, more than just a card. Visit her website at OutdoorEyesCards.com. Welcome to Mountain Zen Den, the place to connect with nature for mindfulness and personal growth in your life, naturally. Glad you're here. Come on in. I'm sitting here today in my studio on this snowy, snowy day. Gabby, the snowshoe studio cat, is softly snoring on a little stool that sits right in front of the keyboard next to me. This is her daily routine. She loves it when I come down in the morning to work and lets me know if I'm late or scolds me for not showing up the day before. We have this special relationship where she helps keep me on task, sometimes looking over my shoulder and at the same time reminds me that there's more to life than just work. There's scratch my head, belly, and back time too. That's very important, you know. If she's snoring too loudly for me to record, and believe me, she does sometimes, I sort of break the pattern by petting her lightly and watching her startle and in a comical voice. It makes me laugh every time. See if I can get her to do it right now. Yeah, she just uh, closed her eyes and leaned into the pet. (laughs) I've always loved animals. My dad was a high school biology teacher, so I grew up with a great menagerie of them, both wild and domestic. Along with the usual dogs and cats and parakeets and cockatiels, gerbils and rats, hamsters, rabbits and turtles and frogs and fish and horses and chickens. Honest to goodness, we had all those. We also had more exotic varieties like a raccoon named Rocky and an iguana named Iggy. I know, not two original names, but they came to us that way. We also had a flying squirrel, a ground squirrel, and even a purple gallinule. Look that up if you don't know what it is. Because he was a knowledgeable science teacher and great with wildlife, people were always bringing my father animals they had rescued and didn't know what to do with. This was back in the 60s and 70s, and I guess they didn't think of wildlife rehabilitation centers like the Humane Society and PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, since it wasn't founded until 1980. They just ended up pretty much dropping them on our front doorstep and voila, instant zoo. I loved it. In fact, someone once brought us an injured great horned owl we named Cedric. He had beautiful wise eyes and very sharp talons. We ended up giving him to the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. and we'd go visit him from time to time. I always thought he recognized me when I'd call him and he sat on his perch in the aviary with the other owls. But who knows? Get it? Who knows? Sorry, owl humor. We even helped rescue animals in our own backyard as well. The ordinary ones who roamed the neighborhood on a daily basis, like squirrels and baby robins that had fallen out of a tree, and voles and crows and bats. All sorts of wildlife in our home. Along with Rocky the raccoon, one of my favorites was a duck named Willie Waddle. I was only seven or eight years old at the time, and we imprinted like Conrad Lorenz and his ducks, and he followed me everywhere I went. My parents even let me build a little, and I mean tiny, cement pond for him in the backyard, just so I could watch him swim. I think he outgrew it in about two weeks. In fact, as soon as he was full grown, we had to give him away to some nice people that, quote, owned a farm in Pennsylvania. I cried at first, but 
felt better knowing that he was on a real farm and not stuck in my backyard in the suburbs. This was before we moved to the country and had horses. My parents assured me that he was so much happier there, and I believed them until years later when someone told me a similar story of how their favorite pet had been given to a farm and had gotten eaten by the dogs or coyotes or something, and their parents never told them till they were all grown up. Yeah, right. Hey kids, we took Thumper to the, air quotes, farm, and he just loves it there. My mom's favorite, I'm sure, were the snakes. We had black rat snakes, yellow corn snakes, garter snakes, bull snakes, and little tiny ring necks smaller than your pinky. There was Bertha the boa, who just wanted to love you to death with her big, tight snake hugs, and Louie the king snake. I thought king snakes were so cool because they were immune to and even ate rattlesnakes. How cool is that? Good to know since we had those too. Yeah, those were definitely my mom's favorite. We had a copperhead, a cottonmouth moccasin, and several rattlesnakes all at the same time. In fact, we had 13 rattlesnakes since one of them gave birth to a squirming, slithering brood. Hey, where are you going? I'm not done telling you about all our animals. I know. At the time, I thought it was pretty normal, although I did feel special. Pretty much the coolest kid on the block because my dad taught me how to handle them and would take me along when he would go to churches and schools and other events to give nature talks. I watched all the kids and adults with their wide-eyed wonder and amazement as I'd reach in a pillowcase and proudly and bravely pull out a six-foot black snake and put it around my neck like a living necktie. You should have seen the crowd, though. Boy, can you learn a lot about people by bringing a snake into the room. A good cross-section of the audience looked on with abject horror and would scramble to get as close as possible to the back of the room or to the nearest exit. But there were always a few brave and curious souls whose eyes lit up like you had just opened a treasure chest full of pirate's booty and would boldly come forward asking if they could touch these fascinating reptiles or even hold them. I always had an instant connection with these people because I knew and understood how they felt. I couldn't get enough of animals, especially unusual ones, and did whatever I could to be closer to them or around them. There was some sort of unspoken exchange that was not only fascinating, but made me feel more connected to the natural world and to my place in it. I couldn't put it into words. I just knew. Perhaps you feel this way too. That intuitive connection we immediately feel when in the presence of non-human living beings. One of the things that attracts us to animals and that we especially love about our pets is their authenticity and trusting nature. What you see is what you get. They don't play games with your emotions or generally try to hide the truth. You don't have to walk on eggshells around them, unless they're chickens. They're just who they are and they love you unconditionally. Have you ever thought about how amazing this is? What a gift. We share the planet with these beautiful creatures and don't even realize the benefits we receive from them. Studies have shown that there is a mutual reciprocal exchange of oxytocin between us and our pets. What is oxytocin? It's a powerful hormone that acts as a neurotransmitter in the brain. When we hug or kiss someone we love, our oxytocin levels increase, which is why it's often called the love hormone and underlies feelings of trust. It is also a great agent against depression. This explains why you feel so warm and mushy inside when you pet your cat or gaze into your dog's big, soft brown eyes. Through a process mediated by the hormone oxytocin, humans bond emotionally as we gaze into each other's eyes. In a study done by Miho Nagasawa and Associates, it was discovered that the same thing happens between us and our pets. They found that mutual gazing increased oxytocin levels, and sniffing oxytocin increased gazing in dogs, an effect that transferred to their owners. So, for today's meditation, I want you to grab your pet by the collar and drag them into the meditation room. Nah, just kidding. But what we are going to do is hold a picture of them in our minds. 
Unless they're already in the room with you, like Gabby is here. Listen. There we go. So hold a picture of your pet or a favorite animal of your choice and just hold gratitude in your heart for them. This is important on two levels. One, gratitude is so good and healthy for us and actually allows the universe to bring more good things into our lives. Two, it helps us be more aware of our blessings and truly appreciate our pets and the beautiful animals all around us. So as always, begin by taking a deep cleansing breath. Relax and be grateful. Just allowing any thoughts you have to come and go as you hold gratitude in your heart. No agenda here. Simply stillness and gratitude for a few minutes of your day. Enjoy. Okay, how's that oxytocin doing? So here's our quote for the day, and it's by Jane Goodall, who dedicated her life to studying chimpanzees. She says, I learned from my dog long before I went to Gombe that we weren't the only ones with personalities. What the chimps did was help me to persuade others. All right, thank you, Cheetah and Curious George. And thank you, my friend, for being here today. Be sure to come back tomorrow for part two of Connecting with Animals. We'll see you then.